Hey guys, it's Jerry from Hillbilly Horror Stories, and today I want to introduce you to a podcast by Shane Waters by the name of Hometown History. It's a podcast that shares little-known history from America's hometowns. This is one of mine and Tracy's go-to podcasts whenever we're out on the road. Not only is Shane a fantastic storyteller, but he's also a great all-around guy, and that just makes it so much easier to listen to this or his other podcasts like it's frightening and foul play. So give it a listen, go subscribe, I'm sure you're gonna love it. There are just times when you need a great speech. These times are rare, but they exist. In most cases, the last thing you need is more words. You usually need someone to get up and do something, build something, pay for something. But sometimes words are all you have. Sometimes nobody knows what to do, what to build, or who to pay. You kind of look at the other people in the room and shrug, and before you do anything else, you need to pause and wrap your head around the moment. You need to get on the same page to take a breath of what it means to move forward. We've all been in places where this was true. Maybe it was a eulogy at a funeral, maybe it was a toast, or a halftime speech during a football game. But when you need a great speech, you really need a great speech. You need someone to get up and ring the bell, like JFK did when the Soviet Union beat the United States to space in the 1960s with his We Choose to Go to the Moon speech. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best. Or like President Reagan did following the Challenger explosion in which seven American astronauts died on national television in a broadcast shown live in public schools throughout the country. And I want to say something to the school children of America who were watching the live coverage of the shuttle's takeoff. I know it's hard to understand, but sometimes painful things like this happen. It's all part of the process of exploration and discovery. It's all part of taking a chance and expanding man's horizons. The future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave. The Challenger crew was pulling us into the future, and we'll continue to follow them. We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them this morning, as they prepared for their journey and waved goodbye and slipped the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. Thank you. This episode is about a time like this, when America needed a speech and the President of the United States stood with his hat in his hand, looked at the eager crowd and laid an absolute egg. He struck out, dropped the ball, or, in the vernacular of professional speakers, crapped the bed. And arguably, the stakes have never been higher. One of the bloodiest battles in American history had just finished, and tens of thousands of graves were scattered across ten square miles of formerly pristine countryside. These graves, often rushed and shallow, were beginning to open up under heavy rain, and birds and dogs were feeding on the bodies. Flies were everywhere, and the lingering excrement and discarded gear of hundreds of thousands of soldiers did little to improve the ambience. As far as the war itself was going, 
The country was literally coming apart, and in this battlefield, it certainly looked and felt like it. So with the eyes of a desperate nation squarely on him, the president took the podium and delivered the worst speech in American history. The reviews were scorching, the very hottest of hot takes. According to the Chicago Times, The cheek of every American must tingle with shame as he reads the silly, flat, dishwatery utterances of a man who has to be pointed out to intelligent foreigners as the President of the United States. The local paper said simply, We pass over the silly remarks of the President. For the credit of the nation, we're willing that the veil of oblivion shall be dropped over them and that they shall no more be repeated or thought of. Even the President's hometown newspaper the Illinois State Register demolished him for his incompetence. Nothing could have been more inappropriate than to have invited this prince of jokers. No wonder then that here, where thousands had congregated to witness the solemn and impressive consecration, he should appear before a crowd with no other object than to create laughter. The speech, of course, is the Gettysburg Address, and as you know today, it is considered one of the greatest speeches in the history of our nation. There is a lesson in this for our own era of scorching hot takes and hypocritical commentary. Outrage is easy, too easy. Extremes are easy. Overreacting to things and judging them harshly has become an American way of life. Reviews like this remind us to be aware of the sneering arrogance of professional critics and to be aware of the fickle, temporary attitudes of any given moment. They remind us to gravitate, instead, to people of character and substance, who take a long view of history and are unwilling to trade those things for popular applause. They remind me to take a look for people who are measured and circumspect, who don't rush to judgment, and who are not slaves to the moment, or any party or party line. Another lesson for us today, sometimes less is more. Sometimes, it's okay to be moderate in our speech, to be thoughtful and sober and balanced. It doesn't make you boring, it doesn't make you scared. Life is complex and continually exceeds the limits of human speech. Saying a lot is no substitute for saying something of value. Lincoln shared the podium that day with a man known at the time as the best orator in the United States, a politician and Harvard professor named Edward Everett. In fact, Everett was the main speaker. Lincoln was the afterthought. Everett spoke for two hours meeting all of the expectations of the fickle public. His speech was very well received. Even the prayer offered by the local preacher was four times longer than Lincoln's little address, an irony not lost on even that very impatient 19th century audience. The MC who followed that preacher, annoyed at the minister's excess, said mockingly, the preacher gives a prayer that thinks it was a speech. But no one you know can quote any part of either of these speeches. It's possible that this is the first you've heard of them. A final lesson. Just because people didn't like something doesn't mean it was bad. We all know that most of the best TV shows in the last 25 years have been canceled. Sometimes popular opinion is discerning, and sometimes it isn't. Learn from critics, but never let them define you. Certainly, never let them break you. What the audience and the critics wanted that day at Gettysburg was high-flying verbal gymnastics, some oratorial pyrotechnics, they wanted that kind of stirring, overconfident, highly emotive display we love to see from our talking heads on TV. What they got was a calm, measured, 
sober address that lasted about as long as it takes to brush your teeth. What they got was this. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth.